Good evening, everybody. We are in India, at least, on 9-11, session 84, and interestingly, we have no questions about 9-11, <laughs> which, of course, only God can answer. We are, we are not privy to all that happened and how it happened, why it happened, but we got lots of questions, many personal questions and quite a few eschatological questions, and we will go into the personal questions first because which are more relevant to day-to-day life and the eschatological questions, of course, time we are not, we'll, as time permits, we are not uh, what we call, when it comes to eschatology, everybody has their own take. <laughs> <laughs> nobody's an expert, though they seems to be experts, but nobody actually is an expert. But we will see how time permits, we shall pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. Hmm. We thank you for all these questions. And we pray that you will give us the answers. We commit ourselves and all those who have asked and all those who are waiting, hearing into thy hands. One spirit, you speak to us, Lord. For you alone have the answer. The word of God says, you search the heart of God. You alone knows what is right and what is wrong. So we commit this time into thy hands. Thank you, Lord. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yep. Pastor, we'll start with question number one. It's uh, from the last time. Okay. If God is the one who draws people to him, why is it important to be strategic in how we share the gospel? Yeah. Jesus says, unless the Father draws. Go to Acts chapter 1. And verse 8. Acts 1, 8. Acts 1, 8 and verse 9. Acts 1 and verse 8. And you shall receive power. Uh, yeah, actually 8 is enough. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Okay, so, I mean, let's put it bluntly over the term witness over there, my witnesses, okay? So we are talking about witnessing, okay, witnessing. When it comes to witnessing, Jesus honestly puts all the honors on the Spirit of God. Mm. If you look at Jesus' life, there are two kinds of incidents usually that happens, when he went to people and when people came to him. And usually we will see that that's the two ways it happens to us. Whenever people come to us, we give them a reason for our hope. We witness, we testify. But when we go to people, I always believe we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I believe he will guide us. We surrender every day and ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, I give my time into thy hands. Lead me, O Lord. Show me, O Lord, who, how, when, what. And I believe it works because then the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Mm. Then we, it is not upon our, us to, if you look at Jesus' life, you will see in John chapter, um, two, he goes to the wedding at Cana, right? And in chapter three, you see Nicodemus coming to him. He's yes. not going to Nicodemus and to Nicodemus he gives, he explains. Okay, but he's not going to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is coming to. But in John chapter 4, he goes to a Samaritan mm. woman. So you will see when a person comes to Jesus and when Jesus goes to a person, it, the reaction is completely different. Yes. It's complete. We cannot say the Holy Spirit brought Nicodemus to Jesus. No. Mm-hmm. 
No. But we know the Holy Spirit took Jesus to the Samaritan woman. Yes. So you will see salvation and a revival taking place in Samaria while Nicodemus comes and goes. Yet Jesus is clear. He witnesses. This is the kingdom. And this is how you get to the kingdom. So when people come to us, we witness. This is the kingdom. This is how I got it. This is how you can get it. We leave it to them. But when we are led by God, remember there will be always a purpose why he's leading Amen. us. And I believe that's how it is. That is how it is. And yet God will not tell us everything. Then we will pick and choose who to witness. Mm. Then our own. And also, I'm not saying when the Holy Spirit leads us to somebody, they will accept. Sometimes they will be very hostile. And he may have deliberately led to that people to see our reaction. Ah, yes, our yes, reaction. Yes. Do we get offended or mm, not? Sometimes mm. we are sent to some people not for their sake. Like it says in Deuteronomy 8, he led them into the wilderness to humble no, them no, no. and to show what was within them. Mm. So some will think, okay, boy, I can witness to anybody. I can convince anybody. And then somebody slaps us in our face. We get mad and God says, see, I want to show you. You are not what you think you are. You've got a long way to go. Mm. long way to go. No? So, please understand, God's purposes are hidden. It is not always the same way we are. We are not just going to somebody to bring them into the Lord. Sometimes it is for our own sake. God is showing that you need to be sanctified. You need to be very more gentle in the way you witness. Like our young man, remember the first time he got saved and he witnessed when somebody did not accept the Lord. He broke a Coke <laughs> bottle on his head. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, in our youthful zeal, we do all kind of things. No? But that's not what we are talking about. Yes, so the, the strategist is the Holy Spirit. Right? Always the Holy Spirit. I mean, if you look at Jesus' life, you will see. I mean, if after resurrection, he taught them the kingdom. Everything, if you look at Jesus Christ, it is begun with the Holy Spirit. Mm. There is nothing I believe Jesus has ever done other than through the spirit. If that mm. is his pattern, he being very God, how can we have a pattern other than that there is? And I believe most of our uh, disappointments or failures are because we don't allow the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is leading us to a person and the person does not accept Christ, we are still satisfied, not because the person did not accept Christ, but because we obeyed the spirit. Mm. That's all that matters. We are not, uh, the results are not in our hands. But obeying the voice of the Spirit is in our hands. And we are accountable only for that. The other Paul plans, Apollos waters. But God, God gives the increase. Therefore, the one who plants, nor the one who waters is anything. Mm. But he who gives the increase is everything. So if Paul is told by the Holy Spirit to plan, that's his job. If Apollos is asked by the Holy Spirit to water, that is his job. And Apollos shouldn't be planting. Mm. And Paul should not be watering. Yes. He has to leave it to the Spirit of God. You do what you are being told. That's why the Bible calls the Holy Spirit Lord of the Harvest. Ah. Jesus pray says, to pray the Lord, to the, the Lord, Lord of the Harvest. Yes. He's the Lord of the Harvest. Mm. Yeah, he's the Lord mm. of the Harvest. Mm. So that's but But it's a process to come to know, to be led to be. So in the meantime, you make your errors, but through it you learn. Through it, nobody gets to that point in one day. Mm. You don't get it. But we have to get to that point because the, like we are looking in the morning, one of the, one of the greatest, uh, advantages, if you want to talk about being hearing and being led by the Holy Spirit is, uh, saving of time and resources. Because mm. God is an incredible steward mm. of both time and his resources. And how do you 
best utilize God's resources is by listening to the Holy Spirit because he will never waste God's resources. He is the steward. Remember, Eliezer is the steward of Abraham's household and he will not waste anything. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to be waste anything that is of God's, our life, our time, our resources, what he has given is listen to the Lord of the harvest. He will not waste our time. He will not waste his um, his time. Our time is his time and his resources. In the case of uh, the two examples, in the case of Isaiah, he says, Lord, send me. I'm here. Mm. You send me. And God says, mm. I'm going to send you to pay to your people, but these guys are not no. going to listen to you. Listen. And then in the case of Jonah, mm. God says, go to Nineveh. Mm. And there's a mighty harvest over there. Mm. So how do we distinguish between the two? How, uh, what What is... What is, what is the purpose of sending in, in the case of... In I- the case of Isaiah, it is judgment. But God never judges anybody without a warning. Ah. Hmm. Hmm. So he will always say he was righteous in judging hmm. Israel. Hmm. I'll send you to them. But they won't listen. So don't tell me that I did not tell you yeah. and, and you judge me without this thing. But hmm. in the case of Nineveh, he said, that's basically what Jesus says. You know, On that day, Sodom and Gomorrah and Nineveh and all, if what was preached to Israel was preached to Gentile nations, mm. I do believe what was preached to Israel was preached to India, many would have come to the Lord. Because if for all said and on, I mean, let me be honest about it, the average Hindu is a nice person. <laughs> Precisely, yeah. He's okay, a nice person. The Muslim may be hard-headed and the Jew may be hard-headed, but the average Hindu is not. He's a very simple person. He's a very simple person. And, you know, they, you tell them, they listen. No, I will tell you an example. Yesterday we had a technician uh, coming to our house about the the washing machine. You know, a technician about him, and he only spoke uh, a little Telugu and I mean Telugu and a little Hindi. And you know, my wife, she witnessed it. That's what nobody can get into my house, get out of my house without being witnessed. Okay, so then Hepsi uh, and Siri was there. So, the city was saying, Grandma, Grandma. So, then he looked at my wife and said, Madam, you look different. Are these your children? She said, no, these are like, uh, not our children, but our children. Then he said, oh, you have an orphanage and all. Are you Christian? She said, I am Christian. And she witnessed him. Then he said, he's got a handicapped child. Okay. Then she said, shall I pray for you? He said, Madam, pray. And he was weeping. She started praying and he was weeping. Mm. Then he said, can I bring my wife also? Would you please pray? His child is bedridden. Hallelujah. Okay, now remember, this is a Hindu guy. Okay, Hindu guy. Okay, and I'm telling you, you know, every time I have seen almost an average, normal Hindu, not the radicalized one who do not know their religion. They are radicalized. Those who know their religion are not radicalized, okay? Are very simple people. And I believe what was Jesus did in Israel was did in India. He would have had a harvest here like in Nineveh. Okay, but uh, what I'm saying is, uh, so when God sends us out, we need to leave the result in God's hands. Mm. We need to leave the result in God's hands. And the key is the Spirit of God. Always the key is the Spirit of God. And we have to see. We have to see how the Spirit of God does. The Spirit of God. Even in our church, look at the people who have come. Most of them are from that other faith, other background. And they come. They are dedicated. And they are very 
very Zealous. i'm not saying the muslims don't come in the muslim when a muslim comes through nobody comes in like him <laughs> he comes in because he is willing to get, lay down his life for christ okay i'm not mm. saying i'm saying but uh, to get them is not very easy mm. not very easy because your mind is literally blinded and not not just blinded i believe the average hindu mind is blinded but the muslim mind is in bondage mm. there's a big difference between blindness and bondage it's in term terrible bondage and cut through and but whichever whether it's a jew or a muslim or a hindu or a buddhist or anybody who come really really comes to christ there's an unbelievable transformation but people are not like what we really think they are mm. honestly if you get to meet people you will see the amount of problems they have in their lives and you know what christ is the only answer mm. nobody else can answer life's problems that is where you introduce christ and if you look at into the entire four gospels of jesus he met people at their point, point of, of need. need amen he met people at their point of need it didn't matter what people they were blind they were leper they were lame they were sick demon possessed he met them at their point of need and revealed himself to them and mm-hmm. we believe the gospel is still the same that's why he said shall cast out demons you shall lay hands upon the sick and you'll say you can go preach the gospel preach the gospel and these go together there is nowhere in the new covenant where the kingdom of god was not preached and healing and deliverance was not preached together is together because the kingdom of god is a kingdom of deliverance so when you are talking about it we have to see that the the you cannot preach the gospel without uh, praying for people you have to believe you have to believe otherwise you are not convinced in the power of the yes, kingdom yeah. and that's what paul says the, the kingdom of god is not a matter of talk it's a matter of power but that is god's power not your power yes i still remember that old pastor of the old old pastor who said when the lord asked him to pray over the sick the first man he prayed the second man he prayed the third man he prayed all three died fourth he said lord what is this he said if he were to be healed whose is the glory and he said of course yours he said if he dies whose is the shame he says yours then what's your problem what's <laughs> your problem <laughs> so that's not your problem your problem is when he is he is healed you want the glory glory exactly okay mm. he says you are just a channel mm. you're just a channel your job is to obey me just to obey me and he says the fourth man was healed fourth man was healed and after that he had a very powerful ministry of peacing people being healed raised from their sick beds and all our job is to do our job is just to trust god and do what he tells to do and leave the results into his hands we are not god we are not god but he is god pastor uh, this is another mm, fired up question this is question number 14 we go to the other extreme okay okay other end. Uh, this is uh, got to do with lordship and i, I think it's keeping in, in keeping with what today you preached in the morning in obedience to spiritual authority is the lordship of jesus christ established what a question lordship and coming under authority how does it play out in our surrender and relationship so it's very very important very 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 important in obedience in obedience to spiritual authority is the lordship of jesus christ established okay now uh, we are not talking about uh, we are not talking about a blanket obedience to spiritual authority 
Okay, when you are talking about spiritual authority, remember, when we talk about authority or spiritual authority or authority, there are two th- two parts here. One is the office, which is this. The other is the person. The office always stands. The person may be a person <coughs> who is worthy of that office or not worthy of that office. And also the persons may keep on changing. Mm. But the office always remembers. So we always have to respect and honor the office. Okay, office and the person who is sitting there. But sometimes the issue is that it's very difficult we find to honor the person who is sitting there. Very difficult to honor the person who is sitting there. Um, we do not take when it, let's stick to spiritual authority. Let's not go into secular authority because secular authority is a very confusing thing because in the old days, what you had were kings. In modern days, we don't have kings. What we have is elected representatives. So it's a different picture altogether. But let's talk about spiritual authority. Spiritual authority begins in the home. The spiritual authority Primarily is the father. Okay, spiritual authority. Why does he have authority? He's the authority because God said, no, the head of the house is the father. He said so. And the head of man is Christ. Remember, authority flows down. It flows like, it was my first big boss when I worked in the secular realm. The director of education, when he interviewed me when I was 23 years old, he looked at me and said, Mr. James, you are coming to a kingdom from a democracy in the kingdom. Authority flows like the feathers of a rooster top down. <coughs> Still remember that. Still remember what he told me. 1988. Authority flows like the feathers of a rooster down. Okay. So remember authority flows. Okay. Uh, from the father to the son. The son to the man. The man to the wife. The wife to the family, that's how. Though Jesus says, I and my father are the yeah. same. Mm. He also says, if I'm right, my father is greater, greater than, than me. 1430 or yes, something, yes, John yes. 1430 or something. I'm not sure I may be wrong. Okay. I'm not really reckon, but he says my father is greater than me. Okay. So it comes to headship. Headship, though they are one in essence, everything, power, everything he says is greater than me because they have voluntarily, I believe, agreed to that order. My father is greater than me. So you need to understand spiritual uh, authority. So when it comes to spiritual authority, yes, can we come back to that question? I need to have the question on the screen. Question 14. Okay. Uh, The lordship of Jesus Christ has to be established. In spiritual authority, let us let us look at the case of uh, Saul and David. Hmm. Saul was anointed by God. Hmm. Okay, people asked, God anointed. If people ask, he doesn't become the king. It's when God's anointing that makes him the king. Okay, once he's anointed, he's king. He's sitting in the throne. And now the king is after the next king. Okay, but he hasn't ascended the throne yet. Hmm. But David refuses to go against. Him. Yes, because see, no lordship is established. It is not in his hands to take him off the throne. 
God put him, God has to take him out. So you will see in, in Saul's case, very good example, Saul's case is a spiritual authority which has gone rogue. Mm. In David's case, it's a man in whose life the Lordship of Jesus Christ is established. Yes. Okay, he refuses to go against Saul. Though he had two or three opportunities to take the law in his own hands, he could have killed Saul, established himself as king. He refused to do that. Instead, what he did was that he chose to flee. Okay, and if you look into that pattern, uh, this is the extreme case of abusive Spiritual authority, because he's a spiritual authority, because he's not the king of another Gentile nation, he's the king of Israel. Therefore, he's a spirit, he's not just a king, he's a spiritual head too, because he has been anointed. So he's a spiritual head of the nation too, he's a king, and he's a spiritual authority. How do you play it out in a basically, in a Christian home? So let us say you have an abusive husband. Abuse you husband, a violent abuse you husband, and a wife who surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ. We have to put it that way yes. because the head is the man. The, the head, the man is abuse you like Saul. So in that case, let us say there is physical abuse also. In that case, what we do is that like David, run. Hmm. Don't fight, run. Hmm. Don't fight, run. Because if you fight, if you also turn abuse you, you are taking the law in your own hands and it will not work out. It will not, it may work out in the secular realm, you know, but it won't work out in the spiritual realm. What I would say is seek, seek, because the Bible talks about separation. Honestly, it talks about separation. Okay, why would it talk about separation unless there is abuse? This is talking about 2000 years. Bible recommends. One uh, uh, first uh, Corinthians seven. <coughs> Ten and eleven. Now to the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord's. A wife is not to depart from her husband. Why would she depart from her husband? Usually marital conflict. That's when she departs from her husband. My kid, she goes to her parents. She runs away. But even if she does depart, depart. Why does she depart? Because of conflict. Depart. Let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. So this is the first stage of marriage counseling. If there is violence involved and domestic dispute and violence involved, what we tell people is that, you know what, you need to protect yourself. I mean, David decides to surrender himself into Saul's hand. Israel will not have another king. He will kill him. Okay, in the same way, if the wife says, I have to submit to my husband in all things, let me beat him, me to death, there will be no family. Okay, so you have to look at the patterns over there. What she, she should do? She should run. Mm. She should run and keep protect her own life. Because why? Because the spiritual authority has gone rogue. Mm. He has gone rogue. Okay, so you have to look at pictures like that, you know. We have to be very, very counsel, very, very careful about, that's why I tell lots of people, please don't counsel. Mm. Because sometimes your counsel is wonky. You don't even know what is happening in a system and you tell them, no, the Bible says wife must submit to the husband in all things as unto the Lord. What? He's going to beat her to death. She should submit to that. What are you talking about? He's beating her up. He comes drunk. He beats her up. He beats up the children. What do you want them to do? Submit? No, that's not scriptural. 
That's not scriptural. Because if you want to look at the other side, just Jesus beat up the church? He doesn't beat up the no. church. Does he beat up all the people in the church? He doesn't do that. He saves them. Okay, so you have to be very careful. Yet, should he teach her to rebel? No. no. What she should do, she should run. Seek protection. Seek protection. If you need to seek protection from the law, you need to get this protection. Okay? You need to seek protection. Why? The whole idea is that the family has to be protected first. They has to be protected first and then try the means of reconciliation or be reconciled to her husband. Okay? So this is talking about a situation where there is no unfaithfulness or not an unbelieving uh, husband or not. Those are the two different cases where the one husband divorce is permitted or the unbelieving husband leaves or the wife leaves and you are free. But this is not that question. In Malachi 2, God's issue is that a man has clothed himself with violence like a man dresses him. And God is against violence. God is against violence. So you have to look at it when you're talking about authority. Primarily, what are people talking about? People are talking about in a home. Yeah. From there, let us go to an office. And you know, office also, there is a head. And the head is very, very abusive. You know what you need to do? Stay as long as you can and ask God, take me out of this place. Mm-hmm. Take Amen. me out of this place. Lord, yeah. I don't, I can't because it's affecting you. Mm. It's messing up your life. Lord, open a door for me. Get me out of this place. I, I cannot stay under this kind. But when you leave, leave in a way where you don't dishonor. Amen. Because when you dishonor your secular head or your spiritual head, don't forget the office. Don't forget the office. Because your husband will die one day. But the office of the husband, which is not connected to your husband, it stays forever. Hmm. It's an eternal office. The office of the father is an eternal office because God is a father. And Jesus is a husband. It is eternal. These offices don't change. The office of king is eternal because Jesus is king of kings. Okay, So that is what God means. There is an office and there is a person. How you deal with the office, be very, very careful. And I have said this example many times, but I learned it the hard way before I became a believer. I was studying in class 6. I looked through the window. I did not have a teacher in the class. I looked and I saw my father's office was free. And he was the principal. So I just went and he had those chairs. No? So I went and sat at his desk. And I was feeling, I didn't know he was teaching in another class. From another window, he could see his office. He saw me, he didn't say anything. I sat there for some time and back to my class. That evening, I got the whooping of my life. And I didn't know. Usually, ever, ever, every time I got whooped, I deserved it. This time, I didn't know what I was getting whooped for because he whooped me first, then told me why. So I finally, I started crying. I said, why are you beating me up? He said, did you sit in my chair? Did you sit in my chair? I said, I did. So why are you beating for sitting on a chair? He said, it's not your father's chair. It's the principal's chair. He said, you haven't earned the right to sit in that chair. You abused the office. He said, you abused the office. What value? He said, they had. He said, that is the principal's chair. He says, you want to sit on my chair here? Go sit at your father's chair. But that is not your father's chair. That is the principal's chair. Your father will be always the same, but the principals will come and go. The chair remains the same. The office remains the same. 
Okay. So what's that's what God is talking about. You know, there is an office. Mm-hmm. And we have to be very, very careful how we handle these offices. And that let's go back to that question. That's right. And the lordship, that's where the lordship. So lordship and coming under authority, how does it play out in our surrender and relationship? It will play out. Absolutely. It will play mm-hmm. out. Yeah. It's a we'll be able to see the difference. Mm-hmm. And you know, and that's why when God is giving Israel the law, the Ten Commandments, they are a, they kind of set of refugees in the desert. There is no king. There is nobody over there. So the first thing he establishes is about the godship, lordship of God. And then he says, honor your father, father and mother. mother. Mm. Honor your father and mother. And after that, the laws come in over there. So he established this. And we have to be very, very careful about it because, you know, many of, I will tell you honestly, what has happened is, so many of our relationships are sentimental. Mm, absolutely. Okay, let's go to Malachi. <laughs> Just sentimental. And God, sentiments are important. We need feelings. We love our parents. Our parents love us. But if it's only sentimental, then there will be a problem later. Yeah. Malachi chapter 1. No? And verse 6. Chapter 1, 6. A son honors his father, a servant his master. If then I am the father, father. where is my honor? (laughs) Now this is not talking about, this is talking about office. Mm. You know what God is saying? Let's put it across the other way. Today's 21st century version. A son loves his father and a servant loves his master. If then I am the father, where is my love? That's not what God is asking. No. Is you may love me without honoring me. Yes. When you are, if you look into the entire teachings of Paul through the Holy Spirit, um, he teachings about my husband and wife, he always tells the husband to love the wife and always, almost always tells the wife to honor her husband. What's what he does? Honor, 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 because it's got to do with office. Okay, got to do with office. So we have to be very, very careful about these things. Very, very careful about these things. Okay? So God says, where is my reverence? If I am a master, where is my reverence? reverence? And says the Lord of hosts, to you priests who despise my name, you say, in what way have you despised? He's telling the priests, where is my reverence? Where is my reverence? Even in the way you do things, okay? Uh, so look at verse, yeah, the continuous, okay? Verse 7. Yet, yet you say, in what way have you despised you? You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have you defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. He says, you know what? When it is a person who holds an office, the way you de- this is the this is the fundamental breakdown of the church because of democracy in which we live in. And always tell people that the, the it's a king. We, we were born from a democracy into the kingdom, kingdom of yes. God. Better get it right. Go back to the kingdom because kingdom does not operate like a democracy. In a democracy, you don't need to honor. Because all our subjects, not all our citizens with equal rights. Kingdom does not work like that. 
A kingdom does not work like that. So we have to be very, very careful about how, because we are going, moving into an eternal kingdom. And kingdom does not work like that. In a kingdom, office matters. In the kingdom, honor matters. In a kingdom, reverence matters. And yet there is genuine, true love. Yes. There is love and honor. honor. It is not honor without love mm. or love without honor. It is there both. But mm. in the world, what you have is that we have love without honor. And finally, that love also becomes false. Also becomes false. So when God is telling certain things, it has got deep meaning in it. God says, if you love without honor, mm. it is not really, it is not really love. Mm. Because if you really have to love, let me show you from First Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. Mm. Yes. Three seven. Three seven. Husbands likewise dwell with them who with your wives with understanding, giving honor. Mm. Okay? Giving honor. Now what about children? You love your children children, but you honor them too. Mm. In a different way. If the wife has to be honored as a weaker vessel, weak vessel, the children have to be honored as even more, more weaker, weaker vessel. The weakest actually. Mm. Weaker. They are the weakest. Mm-hmm. Meaning last time when I told, you know, this thing, you no, know, let us say Emmy had her, uh, Emmy had her fish pond, uh, fish tank, and the fish died. Okay, now when a fish die, what will we do? We'll use a sieve and throw the fish out. But the child weeps, breaks down. And you know what God says? Honor that child's feelings. Honor that child's feelings. Okay, carry her in your arms, comfort her, because she is going through something which is nothing to you, but much to her. So, we honor a child as a child is growing through. We love the child. Loving a child is one thing. Honoring a child's feelings are something else, because that's what the Bible says. You know, Jesus honors. He takes a little lamb ties it and carries it mm. on the shoulder. Mm. And carrying it on the shoulder, the Bible doesn't say he dragged the sheep behind him. He carried it. Why is he carrying it? Because he's honoring it. I understand. You are young, you are vulnerable, you are hurt, and you know what? I honor you. Mm. I honor you. So everybody deserves honor according to their state. And honor is big in the kingdom. But in democracies, you know, where we live, it is not honor, it is dishonor. Mm. It is dishonor. And we need to understand, these things all matter. All these things ultimately matter. And I mean, if you go to a, I don't know how many of you have really been in incredible Pentecostal setups. Oh, yes. They have a language which they will never move from. It's a language of honor. honor absolutely. Mm. Language of honor. They will only literally speak lovingly and honorably. Mm. You don't get one wrong word out of their mouth. Who are they address? It is always honorable. They will never disrespect anybody. They never disrespect anybody because they see that kingdom of God is the kingdom of honor. Hmm. It's of an honor. That's what the Bible is talking about. You know, go back, going back to the question, you will see that's how lordship and surrender and relationship, when you have honor, Love and honor in a relationship, actually what happens is trust comes in. The child believes, no, dad and mom will honor me, honor my feelings, honor my opinion. That does not mean the father agrees to the opinion. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't misunderstand. Agrees to that. I don't agree with your opinion, but I will listen. I'll give you a ear. 
I will listen. And after I have listened, I disagree with you. Mm. By listening it out, you honor the person. And by disagreeing, you are saying, the Lordship of Jesus Christ overrules your opinion. Right? Yeah. If you go to a criminal court, the criminal has uh, the right to speak. Speak, yeah. Right, right to speak. And he's honored. Yeah, and he's, yeah, right to speak. In a court, he's right to speak. Mm. And after that, the judge may throw his whole thing out. But he's allowed to speak. Mm. He's allowed to speak. And that's how you honor people. How you honor people. It doesn't mean you have to agree. Mm. Doesn't mean you have to agree. But God is saying, you have worth. You have worth. And you have the right to speak. Even if it is wrong. You have the right to speak. And then the ultimate thing goes into the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You come under authority. You come under authority by saying that this is my opinion, this is what I think, but the last word is with you. That is why there always has to be head. It is not like people say in every decision in the home, the husband and the wife have to agree. No. As far as possible, you should agree. But where you are not able to agree, the man's word goes. Why? Simply because he is the head. So if Jesus in his flesh is not able to agree with the Father, he will say, I will go with you. Hmm. Your will is my will. As If it's possible, take this cup away from me. But we agreed on headship. So if you won't allow the cup to be taken with me, I will drink from that cup. Though I don't like one drop at all. One bit, I don't like it. My entire being is repelling from you. But I will drink it because you are the head. Hmm. That's how it works. As far as, that's the only time there's a system in the Trinity. Mm. Before and after, there is no duty. They are one. For once, the will of the Son of God in the flesh was divergent from the will of the Father. But because he had accepted the Lordship of his Father, the headship of his Father, he gave into the will of God. That is what we are talking about. That's where surrender comes. Even in a home, that's how it should be. As far as possible, and almost 99% of the things your husband and wife are believers, and you have this, you can agree on almost everything. Where you are not able to agree, where you look through the Bible, you can't find a scripture to, <laughs> or whether, whether to spend on vegetables or on chicken. You know what? Either the husband can be very generous and ask her, honey, what do you want? And she says, I want vegetables. Okay, we shall have vegetables this week. Or he can say, you know what? I think the children need chicken. We'll go with chicken. Though he's the one who wants chicken, he'll put the children in the way. <laughs> okay. But basically, you need to realize that's what headship means. And as soon as the head has made a decision which is not antithetical to scripture or it's demonic or not, we don't usually have that problems in our homes. Head has made the decision, then the rest goes with it. You have to go with it. The head has made a decision, like Jesus, three times, Father, but not my will, your will. Three times Father said no. To Paul he said no, I go with you. You made a decision. It's well with my soul. Now, I'm 100% behind my decision, mm. behind your decision. That's how it works. That's where surrender and relationship, you know, once you have that, a relationship really, really works. But men have to be very, very careful because we should never abuse headship. Yeah. Why? Because God never abuses, abuses headship. Yes. Jesus never abuses headship mm. because in the kingdom of God, 
authority and power is given to protect and to save. It is to save. So the simple question, if you are a head of the head of a family, the simple question you need to ask yourself is: If I make the decision, am I saving my wife? Oh, yeah, that settles it. Actually, that's it. Am mm-hmm. I am I saving myself, mm-hmm. or am I saving her? Because that's why the Bible says that's how a man has to love his wife. So when you say no, it is for her sake, not for your sake. Amen. It's not for you. It's for her sake and for the sake of the family. It's not for your sake. So when Jesus said no to the cup, it was not for his sake. It was for the sake of the church. Because if he had, meaning when he said yes, yes, to, the cup, yes yeah. to the cup, yes. because if he had said no to the cup, nothing happens to him. He's still pure without sin. He's taken up. What happens to the church? No hope. No mm-hmm. hope for the church. So when he said yes to the cup, it was for the sake of his bride and not for his sake. That principle we need to be always, when you are saying no to something as a man, the head of a house, why are you saying no? Why are you saying yes? Exactly the same reason why Jesus says to protect, to save the the family. The family. So in the head of the state as a king or a president or a prime minister makes a decision, he has to always remember for whom is he making that decision. Amen. For whom is he making the decision? Mm. He's not making a decision for because his ratings will go up. He's making a decision for the people. Sometimes mm. you have to make tough decisions even though people will not understand it. Mm. You have to take tough decisions and later people will understand. Everybody does not have to understand, especially when as a father, when you take decisions, children will Will not understand it. Will not understand it. Children may be sentimental, cry, weep, and everything. But my father, when he took a decision when I was in class six and dropped me in India, in Kerala, I didn't understand it at all. I thought my life had fallen apart. But he took a decision. He said, "You know what? You cannot study in this country. If you study in this country, your future will be curtailed because you have only till class ten here, and what after that? You will grow up without a second language. There is no Hindi here, no Indian language over here. You know what? I have to take a tough decision. You are the only child with me. I'm going to take you and drop you in Kerala, and I will see you once a year. For me, it was like heartbreak, but he took a tough decision because he wanted at least one child with him. <laughs> but he took a tough decision. We didn't, you don't understand those decisions then. But now when you look back, that was the right decision. Hmm. So sometimes you need to be very, very careful. But why is he taking the decision? He's not taking a decision for himself. He's taking a decision for me. Okay, but I'm not understanding it. I'm weeping and crying and howling and say, don't leave me. I want to stay here. It is okay. Even if I don't study, finish schooling, it is okay with me. All the junk people will say. <laughs> Imagine a daughter is turned 20, 22, 23 and the parents are looking for a bridegroom and he says, you know, we are proposing, looking for an alliance, I'm going to look for a good guy, a godly guy with well settled everything and the girl cries and weeps and says, I don't want to go, I want to live with you forever. Does it sound sensible? No. To the girl, yes. <laughs> very sensible. Mm-hmm. I want to live with you forever. I never want to live here. I'm very happy here. I'm very comfortable here. Parents are wanting, what is wrong with this girl? But they have to take a decision and give her away. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we say at the wedding. Now, who gives this girl away? away. Yes. You're giving me away. Yes. Mm-hmm. I brought you up to give you away. Amen. You want to understand it. But it's the right decision to make. Mm. Okay. Right decision to make. So that's how it works out. Pastor, mm-hmm. if, if I were to extrapolate the same principle into mm-hmm. the context of a church. Okay. What are the guidelines you, you propose, you would, you think are appropriate in order for 
people to respect and honor and look at spiritual what what should be the perspective in which they should look at spiritual authority we have to be very very careful i mean that's the reason i'm saying in, yeah. in the context in of the atheism. context of a church plus also remember in the context of a church when you're talking about a church we don't go into the old testament pattern mm. the old testament pattern was completely different the new testament pattern is that the church is a family israel was a nation israel was a nation new covenant the church is a family and if you look from how it started they started as a family they lived together as a family and the apostles if you look at paul and all apostles were the first pastors and they were more like fathers mm. they were more like fathers who had both the honor and the love of their family if you look in acts chapter 19 and all when paul left they wept mm. they wept mm. now you don't weep when you somebody you honor goes away mm. you feel bad you regret but you weep when somebody you love go away so you will see the apostolic authority you had over there basically we call them apostles it is written but for the people they were basically their pastors okay paul is in ephesus for 3 years okay and he literally fathered them so when you are looking in the context of a church you need to realize that uh, the leadership Uh, we are not talking about mainline denominational no, no, churches yeah. which is like a government job transferred after 2 years 3 years here and there they have no relationship with their sheep and all it's sad but that's not how it is we are talking about the normal biblical pattern okay over there where it is more like uh, you have honor and love you have honor and love and you have a you have a deacons you will see elders over there yes. basically they are like the role of the wife the helpers mm. okay it is not the elders control the pastor yes. then it is a wife running the house mm-hmm. that's how many churches have become where the pastor has no say because in their homes the husband has no say <laughs> okay <laughs> okay it it cannot it cannot work no personally speaking i am not for mega churches because i believe in the mega church what happens is the personal touch is gone mm. i believe every mega church should have if you have 3000 members you need to have 100 pastors why because 3000 on the day of pentecost and 120 in the upper room yep 120 in the <laughs> upper room yeah. so you divide 300 3000 by 120 Okay, let us say 100 you still have a church of only 300 people okay 300 people okay and then you have others underneath them to take care of them because they have to be taken care of they have to be taken care of you cannot uh, you cannot you need each like uh, we, we the media will um, put up uh, joy lost in church and all but joy stone's congregation looks at him from a telescope mm-hmm. i don't think if whether they meet him <laughs> whether they meet him once in their lifetime mm. okay what's the point in having a family like that right? think about a family where you meet your child once a year or once in 5 years what kind of a family is that Okay, what kind of a family is that? You have no personal relation. You don't even know them by name. You don't even know them by face. Okay, that's not. That is not how the kingdom heaven is. So I have my issues with that. So within the church, we have to balance this both. There is honor and there is love, because it is a family. Mm-hmm. If it is an office alone, 
All you need is honor. Mm-hmm. If you are a principal, I don't want my students to love me. Better listen to what I say. Yeah, I'm not come here to love you. I've come here to see that you are trained and you'll go out from here as trained. It's love is not very important in an official kind of a system. It is important. Honor is important. But the church is not an official system. It's an eternal family mm. where love is important. Very important, very important. Mm. And honor is important because when the Bible begins, ends in Malachi, he says, where is my honor? Mm. But in John 14, 15, he will say, where is my love? Mm. If you love me, you will obey my commands. He brings this both together. together. Mm. Brings it together and he says, you know what? There is honor and there is love. You will love me and you will obey me and you will also honor me. The honor, the glory the son had with the father. Okay, and the honor. So that's how it works out. And in the church, we have to be careful. We always balance. We only talk because I know many, many churches where I've seen the pastors only want honor. They have no relationship and they keep their sheep at a distance. And you cannot be that. You cannot keep your sheep at a distance. Keep at a distance because they need that. Because, like I keep telling you, after Adam and Eve were kicked, literally kicked out of the garden, the prevailing spirit over the world is a spirit of rejection and the orphan spirit. Orphan spirit. And as the father's representative, Jesus came. And when he comes, he comes as a father. That's why Isaiah says he's the everlasting father. Reconciling the orphans back and says you are no longer orphans you are my children you know and that is important the father needs honor yeah but the children need love the children need love the honor is so that they don't cross boundaries where they disrespect the office but the love is so that they will obey they will love and this is very very clear in the bible we have to be very very clear that we balance this out because the church then becomes a family where there is love and where there is honor and when both are there you know what there is liberty there is liberty otherwise you know what then you have the liberty to speak into the lives of others because they know you love them love them yes they know you love them and they will hear you out they will they will hear you out. Okay. Otherwise, it is like the police inspector speaking to the people. They will listen to him because he's in the uniform. But does he have to given him the freedom to speak into their no, lives? They no. don't. They will listen because they fear him. Mm. You know? So this is the two sides of God. The love of God and the fear of God has to be balanced. Fear of God brings reverence. The love of God brings obedience. You obey him because you love him. And you fear him, therefore you honor him. Because of the office. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Um, there's so many things I want to ask, but I think we'll leave it at that, Pastor Dulay. Uh, <laughs> I, I just want uh, one one question which which I constantly keep thinking about uh, is this. Uh, like we we hear, right, um, um, like, uh, it is important for any Christian mm. to be part of a local body, a local body of Christ, whatever mm. uh, whatever is ministry, mm. e- even if he's min- min- is ministry or not, mm. he has to be a part of the local body. Now, let us say for some reason, uh, he's moving out, mm. okay? Now, that the, the reason why he's moving out could be several, maybe he's moving because he's going to another place for, because he's got a professional thing, mm. or... He doesn't want to continue with the church mm. for some reason. Now, how important it is for that person mm. uh, who's leaving 
to ensure that he goes in peace so that he has what I call as a spiritual continuity. It is, it's absolutely. That is something which I want to really want you to uh, you think, think, think you about. See, uh, you can, you can leave a home and you can leave a church. You can live a home and you can live a because you know if God allows divorce, yes, mm. the most intimate relationship on planet earth where two are supposed to be one, okay, not the father and the children, but the husband and the wife, where he allows to separate, mm. he allows separation and divorce. Therefore, a child can live a home and a sheep can leave. The church, but it is important how you leave. Yeah, exactly. Mm. How you leave? Mm. Okay, how you leave? And uh, the honest, it's on both sides. Okay, but let us say Pastor Vijay is. Let us say Pastor Vijay is planning to leave, and he wants continuity. Mm, that's what he wants that's continuity. continuity. Yes. So you know what he comes and tells me, Pastor, I want to leave. I'm leaving. I want to leave. Let us say I'm very upset. It does not matter. He's at peace. He says, you know what? I want to leave and I do not want to leave without telling you. Mm. And I want you to pray over me. Mm. But I'm leaving. I want you to pray over yes. me. Yes. Okay? And send me. I'm, uh, I don't want to explain or if you want to explain, explain, but I want to leave. Would you just pray over me? Bless me and send me. Okay? And I do. Now he's gone. It's a huge loss. But you know what? He will have spiritual continuity. Mm. Remember some of the people who came to us, our church, a couple of times, and they said, Pastor, can I be a part of this church? I said, which church did you come from? And I said, from this church. And why do you want to be here? And they said, I said, you know what, do? I don't mind you coming here. You go to your pastor. If it's a small church, if it's a mega church, don't bother. He doesn't even know you exist. <laughs> now, honestly, I told both. I told both. He doesn't know you exist. You're just a number for him. I mean, even if he has your number. No, you don't exist. But if it's a small church, you need to go meet your pastor. Okay? And talk to him. And you know, people came back that way. They went and talked to their pastor. And the pastor said, okay, I understand. You are growing. I have to keep my church this way because we are more evangelical. So the word, I understand the word you need to grow. They're blessed and send them. Mm. So there was continuity. Okay, there was continuity. Because there always should be continuity. You should not live like the prodigal mm. son. Should not live like that. Because when God sends you, you know, I'm not saying, let us say a congregation member leaves, but he went through the actual procedure and the pastor is upset. The pastor may not have peace, but he has because he went through the right procedure. Mm. Right procedure. Right procedure. He went mm. through the right procedure. It's like a company. If you want to leave a company, you give notice, you go through the procedure. They were not happy to release you. They released you. But you got all your paperwork in your hand. You take your file and you leave in peace. Though the company is upset and they're looking for a replacement. Mm. But you went with peace because you went through the procedures. Okay, in the same way. Everywhere the procedure is important because you remember it's a spiritual continuity. Always. Otherwise what will happen is that you will end up in the next place and you will see you have no church. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You have no church. It's true. You have no church. And you need a church. So a lot of people, when they have no church, you know what? They just gather in their homes and nothing happens. They wander. They wander. That's the spirit of Cain. A wanderer all his life he will be. 
there is no way. If Cain had to stop wandering, he had to be reconciled with God. Accept. Go back to God and say, I killed my brother. I killed my brother. Would he have mercy on me, forgiveness for me? He would have been. So prodigal son continuity will only happen when he comes back. Till then he's a wanderer. For a time he has a blast. But spiritually he's going down and down and down and down and down and down and down. Finally hits the rock bottom. From there he realized, you know what? If there has to be any movement in my life, I need to go back to my spiritual authority. Continuity comes in. But in between his life is gone. Wasted life. He's literally in Haran. In a parched place. That's the point. Okay. A lot of people are in Haran when they should be in Canaan. Mm. On the other hand, a pastor, let us say somebody uh, was upset and left in an anger or something. What is his job? His job is that he should always, when he prays, pray for them. So that he has spiritual continuity. He has spiritual continuity. Mm. I got nothing against you. I bless you and leave. When you were there, you were a blessing. And I will never, that's what I counsel all the people who come through divorce for counseling over here. You know what I tell them? You had a bad divorce? Yeah. Was it very bad? Very bad. But in your marriage, could you remember anything that was good? Yes. Think that. Mm. Think that. Don't think the bad. Think the good. You why? So that in your mind, you have peace. You have peace. Is it over? It's over. How do you think about it? Good and not. But the Bible says, think on things that are good, that are noble. Because it's one of those questions in today's era, one of the questions is there. You have to be very careful about it. So it could be either way. The pastor has offended you or you have offended the pastor. Whichever way it is. Let me ask you this question. Who offended David? David offended Saul or Saul offended David? Saul offended David. Yeah. But why did David cry when Saul died? Because of the thoughts he carried in his heart about Saul. Yes. Because when he looks back, he always has good things to think about Saul. You know what's a good thing he thinks about? If God hadn't used Saul, I would have never been in the palace. If God hadn't used me, I wouldn't have learned the things about administration. If Saul had not put me in charge of the captains, I would have never gone into battle. If Saul hadn't been given a chance, I wouldn't have gone to meet Goliath. You know what? If I am where I am, it's because God you. He must have been wicked, but that's not of my business. That's God's business. God used a wicked man to make come make me come to this point. Therefore, you know what? I will be grateful to him. Amen. This is how you think. Mm. And if people were to think like that, were to think like that, you know, they will realize, you know what? You can always be grateful for people when they were good. Mm. And think the good. Think the good. No? Think the good. Mm. And you will be fine. You will be at peace. You'll be at peace. So when David thinks, he has got a lot of things to, good to think about Saul. Where will, you won't have a David if there is no Saul. Hmm. You won't have a David. You will have, oh. David will not be even known. David would be still playing harp in the wilderness unless Saul calls him into his palace. That's how we know. Yes, he's anointed. But who gives him a stage for his anointing to work? Mm-hmm. It is Saul. Amen. So in the congregation member, he may be offended. You may be anointed. But who gave you the platform for you to be recognized? Mm -hmm. It is your pastor. Now why are you offended? Because your anointing is not being recognized the way you think it should be recognized. But why was it recognized in the first place? Mm -hmm. When you were anointed in your father's house, did anybody see? No. 
Nobody saw it, right? So when did it become public? Because your pastor, that is King Saul, gave you the platform for it to be seen. That is when you were recognized. So you know what? Honor him. Honor him. That's how you have to look at it. That's how you have to look at your past employers. Maybe you have reached the peak of your career then. But where did you start? Who gave you your start? See, when you think about them, be grateful. Be grateful, you know. Be grateful. They gave me a start. That's where honor comes in. Amen. Okay, Pastor. This I think this too deep for that for for us to finish it in one setting. Okay. We'll go to another practical question sent by somebody. I think it should be a man because <laughs> it's question number thirteen. Uh, thirteen. It's all again got to do with headship. Men come back tired from work, and once they are back home, they wish to take rest and have some me time. But the children wait not for me time, me time. Okay, me not time. meat. Okay, me boys time. don't read it as M E A T. But the children wait for their father to be back home so that they can play with him. So is it wrong for men to have me time? Example: Watch their favorite show, scroll through their phone, go out for dinner with a friend, sleep, etc. Oh my goodness! And not spend time with the kids. How can they balance things? Again, balance comes. Balance. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there are different ways in which you can balance. First thing, men come back all tired from work. The question is, why are you tired? <laughs> <laughs> why are you so tired? I cannot understand unless you are a like manual, like a laborer, like who is digging in the field or plumber or not plumber, mason or vestry or something. You can't be so tired. You know? Because most people we know about in the kingdom of God, I mean, churches and all, most people are doing office work kind of work. We should not make you so tired. Like yesterday I was, we, my wife and we were discussing of a couple of workers. I mean, those who work in our homes and all I said. said, one of the things which people need to learn is detachment. That is, when you go to your office, don't take your home. Oh, yes, yes, home. Exactly. When you come home, don't bring your office. Yeah. You have to learn to do it. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm. When you go to your office, don't take your home. Why? You will be a very bad employee. When you come back home, don't bring your office. You will be a very bad father. You have to learn to do this first thing. You have to learn. And remember, for whatever you are called to do, God has given you 24 hours and that's enough. If that was not enough, God would have made a day with 30 hours. He did not. When he made it 24, he knew that was more than enough to do every work. Okay? So that's the first thing. And when they come back home, they wish to take rest. No, rest is sleep. You don't come back from office and rest. You come back to office, the office life has, oh, is over, home begins. There's another life we call home life. Home life begins. Okay? You don't come home and rest. Home life begins. Because there are chores. There are a lot of things to be done. A lot of things to be done. Okay? And have some me time. So, but your home is your me time. Home is your me time. And the children wait for their father to be back home so that they can play with him. Okay? Now the whole thing is that, depending upon the children, please remember, all fathers remember, you have only a certain period of time to play with your children. After that, they don't need you. You miss that time. 
you will miss it for eternity. You will never get that time back. From the time they are born to maybe around 8 to 10 years, 8, 8 years or 10 years maximum. After that, they have their own friends. They don't, they only don't want you coming anywhere near them so that you don't disturb their me time. (laughs) Because they want to play and play and play and play and play and. But I'm telling you, this is what parents don't, uh, especially fathers don't understand. You only have a certain period of time. After that, they, they grow up very quickly. And children are very like clay. They're very malleable, adjustable. Mm-hmm. If they know a parent is absent, they will adjust. They'll find something else in their life to replace their father. Mm-hmm. They will. You know what? You are losing, they are losing. But there are certain things in the life of a child which only the father can put in. Nobody else can. Because God is a father. And the whole world is in a mess because the father is missing. And they deliberately kept him out. It's not the father did not want to be a part of our life, but we did not want the father to be a part of life. Mm. Okay? And the whole world is in a mess. So here what's saying is that, so is it wrong for men to have me time? Like watch their favorite show? <laughs> I mean, we are talking to Christians. So my question to Christians is, what is your favorite show? That is a big question. So my simple question to this is that, <laughs> what is your favorite show? Okay. My simple question to your father is, <laughs> what is your favorite show uh, which you can't watch with your children? Okay. Like when my children were small, I was a cricket, not tennis, but cricket. You know? And I still remember my little ones, you know, when my daughter was maybe four years old, she knew the names of all the cricketers. She will say, Marvin Atapatu. I still remember her saying, you know, where did she, because she sits with me and we watch cricket and she enjoys cricket so much. She doesn't understand the game, but she enjoys it because she's enjoying a game with her father. It's a god child. Okay. And then the boy child comes. So no, you know what happened? We play cricket in the living room. Mm-hmm. And the girl that. child can be very lazy. You know what the girl child does? She sits and feels. <laughs> sits and feels. Okay? And now when the boy child is batting, what does the boy child do? He always wants to get the runs. But when the father is batting, how does the father bat? He's always aiming the ball for the daughter to catch. Get the catch. <laughs> He's always giving that she can have the joy of getting this thing, you know. We people do not even realize how much fun me time me time is. How much fun me time is. Okay, you don't realize family fun is the greatest and the cleanest fun you can have on planet. I thank God for my father. Okay, all said and done for my father. He was not a believer, believer as such. But we had fun time at home. Dad, me, mom, and my sister before. The rest were in the morning. And uh, evening, if it was dad and me, we played chess. Mm. If it was four of us, when mom has finished cooking and this thing, eating, e after everything is over, we still we play cards. And I still remember the game, it was called 28, which you could play with four people. We would play, and it was fun. It was fun. Early morning, it's badminton. Evening, it is football. All you can remember, that's why I was so desperate when I was taken away from home. Because home was home. It was fun. 
and you studied there was no way you could not this because the dad is principal too so you cannot go down one step in your markings <laughs> so that is taken care of the rest was fun life was fun uh, no so when you became a father you brought your home into your home because what you did not experience you cannot take it mm-hmm. you cannot take it okay and i do believe so much of the fault it lies with the fathers in india who like you know uh, i mean i i remember growing up in kerala once my father dropped me and you suddenly realize by the time evening 6 o'clock it is dark everybody is hindus praying the muslim is praying the christian is praying and the fathers have disappeared there's no father in a single house they are all out on the streets and out on the streets you don't see a, see a single woman literally every house is a fatherless house and they will come back at 9 o'clock by the time the children are in bed they will eat and they will go to sleep oh boy mm. okay <laughs> i think my father changed when he went to bhutan because in bhutan there was no street to go out in the mm-hmm. night <laughs> because in that country by 5 o'clock the town shut down wow. nothing there everything is shut down so you had no choice but to make your home your street i think that's how my father changed okay so that's what we are talking about please understand the kingdom of god you don't have your favorite show or scroll through the phone or go out dinner with a friend i'm not saying you cannot have this but you need to have certain days that is set apart for your family and i would say if you are a young if you are a young couple and uh, you're not very busy like us in ministry seven days meeting and all if you are a young couple what you need to do is that you need to keep one day of the week for your spouse hmm. and if you cannot manage one day at least once in two weeks work it out with a friend and drop your children with them and say next week you drop your children and you go out and it should be i remember meeting a pastor i met i met that pastor from us in this city and he said i've been married for 30 years and monday is my date with my wife i have never broken that date for 30 years wow job up that's how homes are built that's how homes are built now i'm not saying you need to go out or anything and you know, like but you keep that time apart i will not allow anybody to inter intervene intervene you no know? you have days for your children you have days for your spouse you have days for the church and you have all days for god you work it out it will work because the the, the home is not the world don't bring the world into it those are things in the world which are clean which are good you can bring in okay you can bring in so like for for me with my home while when we used to watch tv those days the remote was always in my hands because i knew ads can be dangerous mm. so they always knew when the ads started it was on pause and we finally we realized the, these ads will take 2 minutes and the little fellows will be waiting there 2 minutes are over 2 minutes are over release release okay the ad will be over and they can continue with and if there was one word out of wrong out of the mouth of any character i switch off and says movie over movie over. we cannot watch this movie over now i can watch this i can hear it i know those words we come through it but you don't expose the children to it another day they expose it to themselves you don't have to feel bad about mm. it you have to be know that i was not the reason they were exposed amen so we had all those stuff 
all those stuff, no? So we do this and home is very fun. Especially when your children are small, they wait for the father to come back home when they are small. And it doesn't matter how tired you are. You go have a hot cup of chai or coffee and sit down on the floor with them and play with them. And you play with them. Okay. And if you're very tired, lie on your stomach and tell, you know what, my back is your ground. Just walk over me. <laughs> Just walk over me, sit on my back, jump on me, do whatever. You will feel good. They will feel better. But you cannot take your time away from your children. Man. Let me ask this simple question. You take your ch- time away from your children. God takes his time away from his children. What will happen to us? In, in over. Game set match. <laughs> Game set match. <laughs> Be very, very careful about it. Okay. Please balance things. You know what happened? The thing is that, you know, oh boy, most of the things which we enjoy today, let us say, let's put simple example as food. When we started, we didn't like it. It was acquired. Right? Yes. It was acquired. Honestly, most men don't enjoy their homes. It's because they haven't acquired the taste. Mm. You try it for a day, try it for a week, try it for three weeks, try it for a month, try it for two months. You know what? They will love it. Mm. And most of the time, you will enjoy it better than your children. Mm. You know why? They are taking. But you are giving. You are giving. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than... You don't need that game. Mm -hmm. But they did it. So they are taking it in a different way. But you are giving. And I'm telling you, when we put scripture into practice, there is always more pleasure in giving than in receiving. That's liberty. That is liberty. You will enjoy it. You will enjoy your time with children. You will enjoy your time with your children. And I'm telling you, after some time, they'll grow up. And you're free. But those years will never come back. It's come and gone. And you don't have to live with guilt. Mm. They grow up and you go, you know what? You still have things to reminisce about. Reminisce about. I'm telling you, when I played hide and seek with my children, they could never find me. (laughs) They could never find me. Finally, they gave up and said, please, we are tired. Where are you? Right here before you. Even here in this house for my birthday, I knew it was my birthday. I knew they would plan up something. So I knew that midnight they were planning. I said, nobody from the church, only for the family. At 12 o'clock, they couldn't find me. They searched the whole house. They went out, found the gate was locked from inside. Dad hasn't gone out. Where is he? (laughs) Every door is locked from inside. Where is he? They couldn't. Searched and searched, masters, everybody searched. Then the youngest one remembered and said, let me think. He went down, went to the cupboard, opened the cupboard, turned the clothes. There I was sitting inside the cupboard. I knew! Because I remembered years back when we played hide and seek. This is where you hide. Let me tell you who had more fun. You know what? I had more fun because I could hear Footsteps all over. Can't find him. Can't find him. I'm sitting there enjoying myself. I'm telling you, no matter. But if you hadn't enjoyed that when you were, when the kids were small, you wouldn't enjoy it today. You know what? If you don't enjoy your children when they are small, when you grow old and your grandchildren come home, there'll be a nuisance. You won't enjoy them. 
day is coming when grandchildren will come home. That is even more greater fun than Amen. children. But the problem is if you didn't enjoy your children when they were small, how are you going to enjoy your grandchildren when they come home? Okay, life is, life is a home. Amen. Pastor, I think one more relationship question, Pastor. Yes. Okay, this is question number three. Okay, I'm just uh, ticking them off. How do we respond to people who suddenly change or be unfair or to try or try to take advantage of us? How do we discern and respond like Christ? Firm when it is required or repay with kindness, etc. It's a very, uh, what do you call it? Subjective again? Very subjective because there is no one answer for this because people are different. Like two people may suddenly change for two completely different reasons. Mm. Completely different reasons. Okay. Now let me ask you this question. That's why we need the spirit of discernment. I'm not that you get it immediately, but you always have to give people the benefit of doubt. Let me ask you this question. If we did not know the end of John chapter 4, we all know John chapter yes. 4, the story of the Samaritan woman, married five times, living with the sixth one. We didn't know the story. Which of us would give her a chance as being a witness of Christ one day? What would it be? Who would give her a chance? Mm. Minute we hear, married five times, living write them off, not worthy of our attention. Nobody is asking the question, why she married five times? Hmm. Why she's living with this? Nobody is asking this question. What made her go through this? Nobody is asking that question except God. Nobody is asking this question. That's why the Bible talks about Jesus when he deals with people. So God says, uh, sm- smoking uh, flax. Bruce Reed, he will not break. A smoking flax, he will not put out. And we need the discernment of the Holy Spirit to know whether it is a smoking flax or it's a brute. We don't know. Hmm. Some people are like confirmed criminals. They have their acts out all. There, there are a lot of people like that. They have become like that. You know, and their tears have no meaning. They can act it out all well and they are professionals. Mm. Professionals, you know, professionals. Because in my early churches and all when we were, we were warned by the pastors. Big churches were warned by the pastor. Pastor would announce from the pulpit, when you leave the church and when the second, there will be people who are regulars waiting for you outside. They will tell you a teary sob stories to get your money. Please don't get fooled. These are regulars. After this service, you will find them in the next church doing the same drama over there. Don't help them. Don't help them. Don't help. Because we know how to help. We know who are. That is why the Bible says in the book of Acts, they brought, sold, brought the money and put it at the feet of the apostles. And the apostles did it because they knew their congregation, who is true and who is not true. Otherwise, you will get fooled. You will get fooled. And then you will get angry. Later, I was fooled. You will get angry. So when you are dealing with people, you need to be very, very, very careful because people suddenly change. Take a step back and ask God, why do you, maybe, always say, give them the benefit of doubt. Maybe something terrible happened. That's why they changed like that. Changed like that, you know. 
or uh, they try to take advantage of us. Okay, they take to always give benefit of doubt first. Don't judge immediately, but use discernment. We know this story. I mean, it's very different versions of the stories there. A father traveling in a train with a couple of small kids. And uh, the kids are all over the place. The father is like completely lost in his thoughts. And the kids are disturbing, jumping up and down. And suddenly the other passengers get upset. After some time, they, they wake him, call him and say, what is this? Can you keep your children under control? They are creating so much of a disturbance. And then the father apologized and sorry, I didn't. Then he said, you know what? They just lost their mother a couple of days back. And they have never lived without their mother, so they do not know what to do. Immediately the entire atmosphere in the train changed. <laughs> okay, then everybody is sympathetic and now all the women, everybody is trying to calm the children, help the children, keep them at Why What changed? Because they did not know what had really happened. Hmm. So when people suddenly change, you may not know what really happened in their life. You may not know. So give them the benefit of doubt. Don't uh, jump into conclusions. Hmm. Jump into conclusions. Try to find out. Try to inquire. And when they tell you a sob story, also try to see if it is if it is genuine or not. Genuine, because we as pastors, we get so many texts, and most of them are not genuine. But in the beginning we help, and later we realize these are professionals. Okay. <laughs> but no, we don't want to jump in, but like, but we don't harden our hearts. Okay. Because five professionals cheated us, the sixth one may be genuine, and we don't want to block the sixth one. Yes. We don't want to block the sixth one. So with everyone, we'll always give them a chance because we don't want our hands to be blocked. Because like I said in the morning in the pastor's conference, we are only channels. Yes. Yes. We are not the source. Mm-hmm. If God doesn't give us, we have nothing to give. And if God has given us, we don't want it to be blocked. Mm-hmm. Want it to blocks. Like that old hymn writer saying, channels only. Blessed, Blessed master. master. That is what we are. Mm-hmm. Channels only. Okay. But it has to be channeled to the right people. Right people. Hmm. Okay, right people. We should not be wasting. So sometimes we need to be, we need to be firm. We need to be firm. Okay, once people are in the church and we know them, they are there and after we say, we have to be firm. We as pastors, we are firm and said, stop it. Enough of your drama. Enough. Okay, like yesterday, I told somebody, enough. Only one text. Okay, pastor, immediately. Enough. Stop the drama. Stop the drama. This cannot continue like this. It's a shame. Stop it. Can, cannot continue like this. No, sometimes we have, are we telling them anything else? No, stop it. That's all. We understand you have an issue. We know we have a problem. But we have no problem that cannot be solved. Mm, amen. Every problem in every home can be solved. If you have this as the basis, this is Lordship of Jesus Christ. When you say, what is Lordship of Jesus Christ? Will you accept the authority of the Word of God when you go to a man of God or a woman of God for counsel? Can you see to both and say, you know what, you have your disagreements. You know what, I am not telling you what to do. But will you allow the Mm. Word to tell you what you will do? Will you both accept the Lordship of Jesus Christ? If you don't, don't waste my time. I have no solution for you. That's it. 
Absolutely. And most marriages break up is because either one of the party or both parties refuse to accept the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If you accept the Lordship of Jesus Christ, every problem can be solved. And where the Lordship is not accepted, you cannot solve any problems. Honestly, it cannot be. And the simple thing is that when you go before, before you go for counseling, when you have an issue, you need to accept the Lordship. You know what? I'm going with this. You know what? I'm going with it. Let's say I go to Dr. De- uh, Richard. When I go to Dr. Richard and I have a physical ailment, I go to Dr. Richard's. I have to go with this. You know what? I'm going to Dr. Richard and what he says, I will take it. Yeah. I will take it. You know what? If I take it, I have a solution. If I don't take it, I don't have a solution. He can only prescribe. How is the lordship, let us use that term, established over my life of a doctor when I take this medication? Yeah. Yeah, take this medication. If I don't take it, he's doing his part. Yeah, three times a day. It's off my hands. Now it is up to you. Three times a day. I didn't say five times a day. I didn't say one time a day. I said three times a day. Prescription. As Derek Prince calls God's medicine bottle. Prescription is here. Just take it. It will work. If you don't take it, God is not guilty. He's already given us a solution. There is not a single solution under the sun that it cannot be solved by the word of God. Amen. That's why Jesus said, my words are spirit, spirit and, and life. life. Hallelujah. And Peter understood it. Yeah. And he said, where shall we go? You, you have the words of life. of life. So even today, it's all counsel. Basically to families and hurting individuals. If you take it, your life will be good. Your home will be happy. And after some time, you don't want to go out. And yet I will tell, connected with the previous question, your wife should also allow your husband's to go out once in a while with his friends. Let him go have a blast with his friends. But don't drink. Don't smoke. No drinking, no smoking. It should be clean. But he also should. And in the same way, the husband also should tell one day, you know what? You go with your friends. I'll take care of the children. Mm. You go. You need to get out. You're tired of my face. Go. (laughs) Go. I'll take care of the children. You go. Do your stuff. Go with your friends. Because that should be allowed. And that should be mandatory. Amen. Should mandatory, you know, should be allowed, and that's how we work it out. And you go do your stuff, okay? And I will, wife has to release the husband, the husband has to release the wife, and sometimes the children have to be you, children, go play with your children. Go, all this works in a home, works in a home, and after sometimes you will realize, you know, it is not so difficult, it is not so difficult as you think. Well, only thing is, keep life simple. simple. Hallelujah. Amen. If you complicate your life with things, yes. you will lose your home. Mm. Things. Things especially that takes your attention away. Mm. Things in itself are not bad. But things that take your attention away, mm-hmm. gadgets that take your time away are dangerous. Are dangerous. Don't get those things. Other things are all okay. They are fine. But things that take your mind away, be very, very careful with those things. It will destroy your home. But parents have very little, what do you call it? What's that word you use? Little patience. 
So what do they do? They deliberately get things that will take their children's mind away so that they will be free to do their things. It's the most dangerous thing you can do. And if you look at little children, they're very simple. Be complicated. They're very simple. They don't need many things. You know, if you have a small little baby and you're a working mother or a, you are a mother or a father, you they will spend any amount of time with hardly anything if you're just with them and do your own work. I'll tell you. You got, you are a mother who's cooking and you got a little child who's starting to crawl or something or sit around and just give them two vessels with little water. They will play with that for one hour while you finish your cooking without wanting any toys. They will pour it here, they will pour it here, they will pour it here, they will pour it here. By the time you're cooking, the fellow is drenched from head to toe. Go them, give them a nice bath. Your work is over, his work is all over. He doesn't want your womb, womb, remote control, car, nothing he wants. He wants you. He wants you. That's how our parents raised us. You did not need babysitter and ayah and nothing. Very simple. We complicate them. Right before it's six month old, child is flipping apps. <laughs> Where are you going to control this child? Oh, are you going to watch over the apps. phone? Which apps is it? It's not going to work. It's very simple. It is not complicated. You know what? God gave parents to children, not apps. <laughs> Okay, I get all this thing up when I talk about children. I love children. Children are fun. I think the best thing on under heaven are children until they grow up. And that's because they grew up wrong and we had to be at fault, not them. We didn't do what we were supposed to do. Otherwise, children are the best. You look at these in the church. The, <laughs> the best part of the service is after church. <laughs> and the best part of the after church is the children. You have to hear their story. They have lots of stories. <laughs> you want to hear the authentic story of the parents? <laughs> Go ask the children. <laughs> they have lots of stories to say, which I get to hear. <laughs> they are fun. Yes, they are really the slice of heaven on earth. If God said their angels have access to God 24-7, they need to be really, really special. So you need to look at them as really, really special. There are all kinds of angels, but God says, you know what? Their angels have access to me immediately. So what does that tell you about the children? What does that tell you about the children? Now, I had a letter from Australia from a mother. I was reading the letters of her little autistic child and the letter he writes of his devotion so very beautiful heart heart wrenching heart touching okay and you look at that it's a grieving mother single mother got two kids and one kid was born of trauma and all this autistic and in the school he has his own devotions and he writes his own he writes his own you know, devotion is little over there and it is, it's, it's very special. It's very, very special. I'm telling you, children are special. An autistic child is special. Autistic child is special. Okay, when we had in our LHL the blind baby, remember the blind baby yeah. which had to be nasally fed, she couldn't see, but I could whistle. And when I started going down the corridor and when he came in, when I whistled, she would know my whistle. And she would start reacting. She knew. 
from the whistle she would recognize. You know, would recognize. You no, know, kids are special. If a blind, autistic baby can recognize the voice of somebody by the whistle, how much more can our normal children be? Amen. I think, I think that's all for today. That is all for today. Pastor Vijay would close, and we shall meet tomorrow if the Lord tarries, delays to come. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this awesome time that you've blessed us with, that we could, Father, hear from our Heavenly Father, to remind us, O Lord, that we are a family, and Lord, that your word promises, O Lord, even though a mother can forget her suckling child, but you, O Lord, will never forget us, that you've engraved us in the palm of your hand, and Lord, that you, we are the apple of your eye, what an awesome God we serve, who else has a God like our God to whom we can call our Father? Behold, what manner of love that God has showered upon us that we should call, that we should be called the sons of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for all the questions that your people, that your children from all around have sent. I pray, Father, that the answers that have been discussed, Father, will, as your word says, he shall know the truth and the truth shall set us free, will liberate us to obey you. And that we will increase, Lord, that our, our freedom to worship you and to, and to walk in obedience with you will increase, O oh Lord, even in the days to come. Thank you, Father. Thank you once again for this time. God, even as we go back home and rest tonight, I pray, Father, that you would grant us all a good night's rest. And, Lord, that you would grant us a day, O oh Lord, in the land of the living so that we can prepare ourselves continuously for your coming. And that we will be found in your house on time tomorrow to receive from our Heavenly Father once again. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.